0: Check, check, check. Welcome back to the Startup Sync Show. I'm your host, Shujoshi, Joshi. I'm joined by two of my favorite people in Bangalore, Swami and Dinesh Acharya. In this episode, we interview Dr. Thab Pritesh Sethi. Dr. Thav Pritesh Sethi is a physician scientist and innovator in the area of digital health, artificial intelligence and machine learning. He has spent most of his career in healthcare. His expertise is in building teams that bridge healthcare and computational science. He has also played a very significant role being faculty in charge of entrepreneurship in addition to his academic responsibilities at IIIT Delhi. He is affiliated with Department of Computational Biology, Infosys Center of Artificial Intelligence and is a fellow member of Wellcome Trust, DBT India Alliance. He is also one of the former visiting faculty members at Stanford School of Medicine and is currently faculty in entrepreneurship in New Delhi So, if you are a solo entrepreneur who's just starting up in life science um, sector uh, there are certain key questions that you should ask yourself uh, one of those key questions is who owns the science that you want to commercialize the one is how strong is that science uh, whether you would be able to defend the IP around it And products, services, platforms, what will be the applied application of your science? Because customers won't buy science, they buy product, platform, or your services. And some generic questions you should ask yourself. What will be the total market size? What will be the TAM? What will be the obtainable market out of that market size? Allow Tal to introduce himself and welcome to the board.
1: Thank you, Shuru so basically i come from a medical background i did my bs as you said and shifted to computing um, to to provide solutions to uh, medicine and healthcare through computing and for the last 15 years or so we have been working in the space of data science analytics and um, creating value uh, through these and what we do in day-to-day clinical uh, practice so Part of what we do is in the ICU settings, where we uh, create predictive models for uh, critical outcomes. Uh, Recently, over the last three to four years, we have actually also ventured into public health and the use of data and um, AI, ML for enabling better policy making for public health. So those are the kind of spaces that we work in. Infectious disease, public health, and uh, hospital systems. And the use of data to to enable them better.
0: That's super. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, uh, where are you from? How was your childhood? Uh, where did you grow up? All of that, you know.
1: Yeah. So my childhood was a pretty normal. I I grew up in Amritsar, up in North and Punjab, um, and forever since I remember, basically, I was. Um, uh, and i with science so um, and i come from a family of doctors my parents are professors but my extended family is a family of doctors and i was um, very enticed by the profession of saving lives um, so that's why i uh, pursued my MBBS. and pretty soon i realized that um, um, the science part of it actually starts taking a backseat when we uh, come to the day-to-day clinical practice which is somewhat uh, um, somewhat unfortunate in India um, so that led me to uh, come back to science and pursue a PhD uh, and I was also very fond of mathematics and uh, building the bridge between mathematics and medicine while I was um, studying my MBBS so I got an opportunity uh, brought computation to uh, medicine, and I was lucky. I think I was lucky. I got really good advisors, really good um, environment to pursue which uh, things which I, what I liked, and that, and one thing led to the next. So I've been associated with the All India Institute of Medical Sciences for the past 10 years or so now with the Department of Pediatrics, uh, where we have been building data driven solutions for uh, predicting things. The asthma, we started out with asthma. Uh, now in the critical care settings and also in the COVID settings right now. Um, I was also lucky. I uh, um, so one of the first, I would say, computational uh, clinical data scientists of the country, and I uh, was awarded the Welcome Trustee Virginia Advanced Fellowship, um, uh, by which I was a visiting faculty member at the Stanford Medicine Biomedical Informatics uh, Research. And there I got exposed to this whole idea of um creating value from the science that we do so stanford is a very well-known place for doing that and and that uh, since then basically all our questions after came back to india joined triple Delhi as a faculty member in uh, the department of computation biology and the center for ai all our questions really are hinged upon this around this one single question of how do we really create value uh not just Monetary value, but
0: also social value as well, from uh, from the data science solutions that we build across. That's super, super good. Uh, so uh, Tav, today's uh, the the overarching theme of today's podcast is about uh, the early stage entrepreneurship in life right. sciences, and um, before we'll uh, delve deeper, I think it's fair to say that not all sciences uh, can and should be commercialized. Uh, If you are an entrepreneur or a scientist, thinking of becoming an entrepreneur, uh, you know, a new early age entrepreneur, uh, it's very critical to work with uh, the value metrics, which you just mentioned out, um, the value that you can um, bring for your stakeholders, your customers, your employees, uh, yourself as an entrepreneur um uh, and the social and the commercial aspects are very important to that uh, w- what do you think uh, COVID uh, has brought uh, to us in terms of the challenges as well as the opportunities and why do you think uh it should be one of the best times uh to start an early stage life science venture
1: that's a great question and i think um uh, Covid is an incredible challenge and an incredible opportunity because it has revealed all the gaps that there are in um, in the delivery of healthcare services and the things that we need, the drugs, the vaccines that we need. So it's 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 truly an incredible opportunity to uh, to bring more value. The way I like to think about covid, and that's a personal opinion and a personal viewpoint. Um, it has brought to light the value so strongly that we need to ask ourselves as entrepreneurs, um, what shall we build for our grandmothers? What shall we build for our families to save them? So, And that's the question that each one in the world at right, right now at this time must be asking. So there's a clear there's clearly a pull. People want their loved ones to be safe. People want they are willing to pay for things uh, that can save lives. So, but as entrepreneurs, we should really uh, again I would say pivot our um, our value system towards what is that that you are willing or I am willing to do for my family, and then create. A, uh, and then extend it to the extended uh, community that we have around us, and build solutions that your family will buy, and your your near and dear ones will buy, um, and they will value. So if that's if that's something that we keep in our mind, I'm sure people would find value in whatever we build, and and would of course pay for it and would buy uh, buy. So I think it's an incredible. Um, a uh, pivoting point to to shift from just monetary value to life value, uh, especially in the Indian ecosystem, where we see that um, our uh, health systems need some sort of a remapping as well. And there is an opportunity for entrepreneurs uh, to deliver that. There are um, extremely talented people, extremely talented um, um, entrepreneurs out there, scientists out there who have the solutions. And they just need to find that real fit, which can create a reinforcement uh, uh, in, in, in their, entrepreneurial, uh, in their entrepreneurial journey and, and their venture. So, so that's what I think uh, COVID has brought us. It has brought us a very clear opportunity to, to fill that gap. And the second thing that it has brought, up, brought us is the understanding that we need to find long-term solutions. We, we are no longer happy with major solutions. We are no longer happy with solutions that will last just maybe six months or one year, the time what uh, COVID may last, we hope. Um, but solutions that will be there for us uh, in our health systems for a long time. Uh, and, yeah, absolutely,
0: yeah. absolutely absolutely agree with you. Um, the long-term sustainability of the solutions that we built now Is very critical for the ecosystem as well Uh, uh, so if if you are a researcher today in India who is just about in the fourth year of their graduation or third year of their PhD uh, you know research and building up your thesis um, what would be the first thing that you should look out for Um, tell us a little bit more about from the idea and the discovery point of view uh, specifically If you are, uh, you know, building uh, a new medical device or if you are working on to build, find the new biotherapeutics or you are building a new AI DML platform which can expedite the R&D process, if if you are building either one of three uh, from an idea and discovery point of view, what should be the uh, structured plan that you should opt for uh, given that. Uh, we, we we have observed most of the scientists and most deep into their own science, and they often lack uh, the commercialization uh, of their bioprocess research part to it. Um, so, uh, what in your view, uh, with the, at in the, for the uh, University and a couple of other places that you are associated with? What's the generic trend that you have seen among these new early-stage uh, uh, entrepreneurs? Every research,
1: as you said, is uh, is meant to be commercialized, and not every researcher or a PhD student um, should be thinking about entrepreneurship um, um, necessarily, uh, because there is definitely value for blue sky research. There's definitely value for uh, for finding. Uh, interesting solutions to, uh, which, which, which may have scientific value of their own. But to the, to the sum, of, to, the, to a certain proportion of these outgoing researchers, we do see that some of them are naturally inclined to, uh, to think in terms of societal value, in terms of commercial value, and in, in terms of benefit of their research. And to them, what we see is that the university systems are not very equipped uh, with with mechanisms that can actually encourage them. And scientists, Mm -hmm. researchers, faculty members, um, as we are mostly academicians, we tend to care more about research outcomes, papers, and, uh, and, and sometimes patents but but we rarely go the full the long haul of uh, creating the, uh, a startup so uh, so recognizing that i i we, we saw that trend uh, which we found to be uh, to, uh, found that not to be conducive so in our university we we started programs uh, such as minor program in entrepreneurship uh, which actually equips and trains students right from their bachelors to, to masters to uh, to phd students and in, um, in thinking about entrepreneurship and and taking that although it cannot be taught but exposing students to uh to courses that can help them make those decisions early and to help them find out if they're cut out for it and then there are other things for example the incubation centers and the innovation centers supporting them uh, supporting uh, new ideas, so that's all a part of it. But I think a structured curriculum, a structured program that lets students and even the faculty members to really see if uh, if there's opportunities, I think, uh, a starting point, and they're doing
0: that. I totally agree with you. Do, do you think, um, so, so very two critical points you mentioned out. Uh, one is the validation that uh, Researchers look from the society as such, right? And it all goes down to the different journals, their impact factors, publishing all the research and everything. Uh, do, do you think the missing link here is the uh, a, a commercial uh, setup between academia and the industry? Uh, often we have seen in the Western world uh and one uh, here is a, she is a phd from germany as well uh, so she may chip in uh, with her views uh, mostly there every university have a certain sort of endowment fund abroad um, and in addition to that endowment fund they have um, a spin off accelerator incubator in house within the university which allows early stage researchers uh, to become new entrepreneurs right and entrepreneurship is is just a mindset right it's right. A, it's more it's more less like a job but more like a lifestyle that you do uh, that you opt for when you join the new journey yeah uh, tell us more about the um, protection of ip of how I'm a researcher and I'm just going through the final stages of my PhD. I have something uh, which I really feel that can be commercialized. Now, if I'm a researcher in that space, how would I go and get a validation uh, around the commercial aspect of the science, whether I should you know move forward or not? and uh, if i decide to move forward based on the dis- different discussions that i have with my mentors with my researchers with the industry people how would i go around uh protect my ip and what i really would like to uh, join here is um in terms of protecting ip one should know who owns the ip right if it's a sponsored phd research maybe your sponsor has rights to the intellect and if that is the case, then how should you go around to share that IP with them, right? Or what what are the uh, metrics around the protection of the IP? So if you could just uh, enlighten us for that as well. Um, so I can talk
1: about what um, uh, what our institute, our university does. So um, essentially, as you said, I think uh, the first, as you said, there's there's a, there's a lack of um, um, understanding of the coupling between. Academic research and commercial uh, ventures. So the first thing to plug that is to be uh, to, to to provide mentors, and and that's the first step to, to really encourage mentorship from from people who people who have uh, been there, done that, and to have routine mentorship uh, right early on uh, in the in the the careers of students uh, made available. So that's something that we have. Very consciously, the the leadership of the institute has very consciously decided. And even at the faculty level, I think we are one of the very first universities in the country where the leadership took a decision that the faculty members may choose to be evaluated um, for entrepreneurship. Typical evaluations happen on research and teaching. So uh, we were one of the first institutes, I believe, uh, where we said that no, if a faculty member is really because um, how will the faculty member really go into entrepreneurship if we don't really value that so so the system the uh, the university actually said we'll value that and you may choose to get evaluated um, on your yearly reviews or appraisals um, and you can choose to do that on what you did uh, on the front of entrepreneurship um, during this time so the same. Uh, the same uh, message percolates down to students as well. So we have, for example, projects that can be uh, research projects, that can be development projects, and can also be entrepreneurship projects. So especially in the program that we have, the ENT, the Entrepreneurship Minor Program, we require that at least one semester should be an entrepreneurial semester in which you need to either um, um, apprentice at some startup, and it has to be a startup with less than five people or less than seven people. So, so we try to um, encourage that sort of uh, um, thinking and, and, and students imbibing that culture uh, pretty early on. But I think the missing links are having good mentors, uh, uh, which we as which we which we go out actively, proactively to find and then to make these connects the second question about IP um, so our university in particular encourages that students now the research that they do they can actually uh, file for their IP so the institute um, files for, uh, for, for the IP on behalf of the students but then the the name the, the uh, IP is in the name of the students and the institute holds some uh, percentage and the faculty members they can choose. Uh, they can choose to either um, own their entire um, own their IP totally from their sponsored research projects or whatever, or the institute can do it for them, uh, file the IP. In which case, uh, uh, there is an equity sharing mechanism. So I think all these policies are pretty open uh, in many places and many, and we have tried to. Uh, take the best of these policies across the country. We would not say that across the world because um, some, we, although we might have, we would have liked to uh, pick some things, for example, from MIT or Stanford, but there are country level regulations which do not allow uh, some of the, these things to do. So we picked up the best things from uh, from the best IITs and, uh, and, and saw what was working and we tried to, uh make these as open and uh, conducive to faculty students as possible
0: right and uh Tavi, if you can uh, tell us more about uh, the tech transfers um how does that work the licensing agreement around technology transfers right uh yeah so if an external corporate would like to come down to uh, the uni and would like to create an incubation center around uh, would like to provide you some sort of technology in association with the University of Cambridge, Oxford, or anywhere else, how would that tech transfer go and those protocols?
1: So, we do have an innovation and incubation center, and we, we are in the process of uh, building, uh, and we have mentors come in who actually help uh, uh, the IP process and the tech transfer. But we are in the process of setting up an official tech, uh, technology transfer office uh which which will make this uh, a regular part so far right now we have uh, external mentors who help us in the tech transfer uh, process and the innovation and the incubation center works very closely with any uh, commercial uh, partners ventures who, who wish to get incubated or who wish to take up some technology that has been developed at play in Delhi um, and that is something which we have uh, as i said we are we are very open and uh, actively engaging so we are setting up the tech transfer office as well
0: great okay so if a new researcher is uh, have spoken to the research you know mentors uh industry people and decided to go on um and build a company around it uh next challenge would come in the team building space Right. And I would like you to um, think it from a pre-COVID and post-COVID time as well, uh, when there was enough resource allocation happening and now everything has been restricted out. Uh, how uh, do you think is it any easier for a new age researcher today to go out and build a startup in life sciences? Um, and maybe you can uh, you know, keep in mind all the important aspects of building a new business be it the business modeling or team building or you know, creating a board of members for yourself and advisors. So if you can uh, tell us a little bit more about on those funds.
1: Certainly these are difficult times in terms of uh, uh, funding and uh, most of the startups right now are um, thinking to essentially, um, stay alive until the funds start forward uh, again. so that is I think certainly a restriction uh, in terms of a new um, a new um, startup that might be uh, thinking to, to launch to launch their uh, uh, to launch their uh, product or to launch their company. Having said that I think uh, this is also the time when, um it is also amply clear that a lot of things can be done in a lean fashion so office spaces uh, can actually be replaced by online uh, a lot of productivity actually can happen online a lot of cost cutting can happen by uh, by looking at uh, solutions that are digital so all those things are possible so those are also opportunities as well as those are the uh, repurposing, I would say, uh, of existing technologies towards some of those uh, uh, directions. So, a startup which is just starting up, it's best that if they can do it lean in in Asli uh, and then start uh, showing value with as much lean um, uh, capital as possible. Uh, But going forward, I think the, the teams that are already built and they are now um, also facing um, um, the crunch uh, for funds, um, I think that that's a real challenge for all of us. And the real thing will be to repurpose, and I've seen that happening. I've seen a lot of startups who were who did really well in these times, who really repurposed their solutions to health or COVID or something to, as I said in the very first place, to address some real need on the ground. And actually found that their business boomed at this time, so I think it's uh, it's it's about repurposing, pivoting uh, if possible, and if not, trying to stay as lean as possible. Don't don't go out raising a lot of fund. Try try to keep your uh, um, hiring minimum and uh, uh, just stay afloat and deliver value. I think that's what is the mantra right now.
0: Uh, I mean. Uh... We are big fans of bootstrapping, no doubt in that, yeah. right? And the lean startup framework is very famous within the Stanford economy ecosystem within the valley itself. And I think till the point you find out the product market fit for yourself, as yeah. well as the company, it's very critical to be on that bootstrap mode. It allows you to do a lot of validation if you are a first-time entrepreneur as such. Absolutely. So I was just discussing with Dinesh yesterday, uh, a couple of points, and he pointed out uh, something very interesting about the founder investor dynamics of how that is changing in the COVID time. Dinesh, do you want to go around and uh, set up the point here? Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, thank you, Shiv. Um, so uh, nice talking to you, uh, Tav. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What I want to understand from funding point of view itself is, let's say if I have a product I already pre-COVID have built or I've started, uh, is it a good time uh, since I have some value-add product? Should I go for funding uh, first thing? Obviously, for a startup, I think it's not a good time to look for funding since it, it's it's a, a difficult time. But if I have already a product existing um, pre-COVID, do I really want to go in looking for funding at this point of time since there is a scope of getting uh, some funds uh, since there is a growth in digital health
1: right so I think I think uh, it's it's a very personal I, I don't think there would be an answer that will fit all uh, because it will depend upon the product um, many products may be could be repurposed for example a lot of things that we um, build for ICUs, they can be repurposed because there's a clear need for um, uh, for improving ICU care in times of COVID. Um, products that are relevant to, I would say, anything that is relevant to health systems at this point of time, it is good to go and pitch it in a way and look for funding uh, because it, it is clear that our health systems need a revamping. So uh, it is clear that once we start coming out of COVID, uh, everybody is going to be looking for solutions to uh, uh, to not land up in the same uh, problem with our health systems. And I think if somebody has those products already, which plug some gap in the health systems, mm-hmm. those, those may be pharmaceuticals, those may be AI, those may be digital health or devices. I think everything right now has a place in in uh, reinforcing or strengthening or maybe reimagining even uh, the health systems, and I think it's all about how we pitch it. Um, and I'm sure that uh, uh, investors will be open to uh, uh, to funding. Uh, because everybody is, is realizing that our health systems need to they, they we need a clear restructuring uh,
0: i absolutely absolutely agree Tav, on that uh, uh, in terms of the pandemic what has it done is one it has brought all the weakness of the ecosystem right yeah. at the forefront and second it has also created a lot of leverage uh, within the uh, industry itself uh, where' right value systems can be established yeah. uh, right metrics can be established as well um Wanda, would you like to chip in about uh, you know the point we were discussing yesterday around uh, the startups uh, from uh, if you are planning a swap kit or any sort of uh, covid related products in the market how would you go around and do that
2: oh yeah sure uh, So actually firstly Tav, it's it's great speaking with you and it's really nice to meet you virtually as well uh, also, I really connected you with the fact that um, yeah, you were drawn into healthcare because your parents were doctors and, and you saw that growing up and it's the same that relates with me. I, I actually had a couple of questions for you. So the first thing that, um, that you had mentioned that during the time of this COVID that you see that there are certain gaps that have been identified. So since you are in the healthcare space and you've got this collaboration with tech as well, so what do you feel is that biggest gap that we have managed to identify during this pandemic?
1: The biggest gap in my opinion is to have a connected health system. Um, we like to call it the digital spine, uh, the National Digital Health Blueprint calls it, the, uh, the digital backbone, it's all the same. Uh, it's all. It's essentially what we need is at least for some emergency services. And for example, in times of COVID, which is, which is a national emergency, we need a strongly connected health system. I'll give you an example. Uh, we, helped, we helped build one of these apps for, uh, uh, for, uh, for the Delhi government and uh, from our institute which tells uh, how many ICU beds which hospitals are available um, in Delhi. And so people can have a look at that. But going forward, that's just the starting point. If, if, this, if there's a latency of information between what is existing on ground and, and when it comes to the official uh, numbers, that latency is something that, um, that actually offsets the uh, the benefits of so many solutions that people can uh, can develop. So that's that that was a very clear um, uh, alarm bell for us. That um, and and right from day one when this COVID pandemic started, we have been saying this that we need to have a digital spine for for COVID connectivity across the country. Let's start with Delhi. So I think, uh, uh, but it needs a lot of, it needs a lot of top-down, middle-out approaches. Uh, But I think if that could happen, and that we think is the biggest gap, if even for some certain protected data sets, it doesn't have to be all open. If for some protected information, there's a clear communication channels between hospitals as a network, and that could be served to people, I think that is, for example, the biggest uh, uh, gap right now and the opportunity to... Basically,
2: um, lack of connectivity, basically, around the country is what you identify Medical systems connectivity. And overall, medical system connectivity. Okay, right. And like coming to... So, um, so I think Shu had also mentioned that do you see... um, So, talking about this gap between academia and the industry... Uh, so now, for example, during the time of COVID, we've seen that, um, that there are a lot of big players that have teamed up with academic institutions uh, across the globe to sort of come up with viable solutions for this. Um, do you feel that there is a lack of that collaboration here in India? And if there is a lack of that collaboration, how would you sort of recommend going about that so that in the future, if we are hit with a pandemic like this again, we're not in the same situation?
1: There is certainly, I would say, a, a, a lack of uh, of the partnerships between the bigger partners, bigger uh, the bigger uh, commercial ventures, and uh, and the academic institutes. So if we would have loved um, for things to happen the way they happen at Cambridge, at uh, MIT, Stanford's, and, and, and the major players. Um, so, uh, but having said that, uh, the CSR uh, we at least on at least on uh, the intent uh, side of things, I think the CSR from a lot of commercial companies, the corporations, um, has been routed towards uh, uh, COVID. We have had a lot of discussions as well. So some are still in the process. Um, so I think things are opening up, but they are not as fast as we would want them to be. Or uh, we would we, we would really expect them to uh, to to, uh, uh, to enable solutions to be created at a rapid pace. So going forward, I think um, again it comes down to connectivity. Um, the 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 academics who are creating solutions uh, having a network that can uh, very quickly. So although we are uh, we, we we are not too bad with that, we do have that network and um we are in discussions where we can get support but i think still it could uh, it could be much more seamless it could be uh more bilateral uh, where where this connectivity can be established and can be proactively sought out
2: so why do you think that that gap exists to begin with and why did we require covid to sort of you know bridge that gap right now like why was this not already something that we could have done before
1: yeah because i think um no so we as a society i think we uh we are just waking up the fact that we need to create uh, uh solutions societal solutions and value um, and commercial solutions uh, we've, we've been doing that uh, but we have not been uh, very very strongly uh encouraging towards as i said in, in, at least in the academic settings we have not been very strongly encouraging for Uh, for startups and uh, uh, and entrepreneurship so specifically in the academic setting that's what I've been uh, that's what I'm saying that we have been creating solutions we have been creating big ventures but in the academic setting we need more um, uh, not just encouragement but appreciation of the fact and also mechanisms uh, to enable uh, doing that And and as I said um, just, uh, just an example towards that is what I said earlier. Uh, letting faculty members be evaluated on their entrepreneurship and not having to worry about will they have a job tomorrow uh, if they don't publish a paper. So, uh, so I think those are the kind of things that we need a change of mindset. That's the reason. Perhaps it has not happened in the academic settings, and that's perhaps the reason uh, the the corporations are also aware of this fact. Uh, that many times faculty members tend to create solutions that are licensed out uh, or take a long time. So I think that is changing now and uh, more and more awareness about that, I think, is needed to be uh, created so that this can change fast.
0: Just said. uh a part of this has to do with the glamorousness of the ecosystem as well, right? Uh, and that has to do with an incubation cycle of life science startups. Right. Um, a lot of money will flow in if a uh, suitable, uh, you know, uh, reportable exit will come out from the ecosystem. That brings a lot of spotlight. What COVID has done, right, on the need of life science and healthcare ecosystem within the country. And the spotlight on the innovation. Right. Uh, wh- wh- why this uh, is critical. Uh, and for that reason, I'll quickly like to chip in. Uh, we uh, uh, Recently, we have released a 50 million uh, corpus with X Health Innovation Labs for connected healthcare, remote patient monitoring with Esther, DM Healthcare, and Social Alpha. We are also in conversation with a couple of uh, biotech companies out of India to bring in hundred million uh, fund for establishing an early stage corpus structure for India so uh, the new age researchers uh, would be able to uh, become new entrepreneurs and a lot of innovation can come a pure play innovation come can come out of uh, Indian educational structure so yeah that that's uh, Super. So Tav, in, uh, we, we are almost near the uh, closing time. If you can uh, sum it up quickly, uh, what we need uh, in terms of the entire ecosystem, be it academic institutions, uh, venture player like us uh, or the government itself, the policymakers, what we should do individually at our end in order to promote the basic entrepreneurship around life sciences in India and uh, Promote the culture of original research.
1: Right. So I think um, three three key messages, as you said, the spotlight on innovation and value mm-hmm. is what needs to be done at the researcher level. It could be a student, it could be a faculty member. Uh, but but think about uh, uh, the value chain for healthcare and in the light of the new. Uh, a challenge that we have now uh, COVID and going forward. Think long term, not just for uh, the time COVID will last. Think about how will you sustain your venture beyond COVID and have a lasting imprint on, on the healthcare ecosystem of India or even the world. Um, and essentially uh, for the organizations to, for the academic organizations to start Uh, pushing some of these because there is uh, clearly a demand from the government side of things and also from the venture to really look for solutions that come from that can come from academia so the academic structure uh, the academia also needs to uh, to rethink its um, uh, its emphasis and the spotlights as you said to um, um and it's messaging to the faculty students everyone um and i think uh, for the venture capitalists and uh the funders um i i think uh, um, I mean, so it's it's probably i think they have the, the the uh the furthest insights into how how this will go and play and so for them to really uh help uh, some of these early uh, stage startups also with mentors uh, who can really guide them towards the best possible outcomes and I think that that, uh, that would create a perfect sauce perhaps for uh, some of these early stage ventures to, to make it big.
0: That's super, super good. Atav, thanks for your time today. It was amazing having this discussion. And I'm not sure, we are not done yet. Uh, in terms of the discussion, there is still a lot many more sessions we can do. If time permits, we will definitely come back and uh, talk more about the entrepreneurship for Early Stage Ventures. I thank you again on behalf of entire team of Entrepreneur Podcast Nation today uh, to give your time and give us insights into the Early Stage Ventures. Thank you so much. My pleasure.
1: My pleasure. Thank you, Vatman. Thank you, Dinesh.